Open your Bibles, please, to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2, and as you're finding the place, remember tonight at 5.30 right here in this room, our annual carol and candlelight service. It is always extraordinary and special. Don't miss it. 5.30 right here this evening. This is the most wonderful time of the year. If somebody would write a song about that, they'd probably make a lot of money. There's something extraordinary about Christmas. It is said that there is a certain spirit to Christmas. That generally means that people uh, try to be friendly, giving, joyful, Family is important to most people at Christmas. If you have ever spent a Christmas alone due to a job or military service or missionary service or a hospitalization or being in a nursing rehab facility or you are a widow or widower and in a particular year no one was able to be with you at Christmas then you know how hard it is to experience Christmas alone. There is a magnetism to the day. It is celebrated as the birthday of Jesus by over one billion Christians worldwide. Celebrated by many who are not Christians and some who think they are but have no personal relationship with God through Christ. Why is the day so significant? It's not because a lot of money is spent. A lot of money is spent. Last year, in 2018, the average United States household spent $1,536 for Christmas. Now, that's for gifts, decor, entertaining, and food. Retail sales last year in the Christmas season exceeded $1 trillion. And it will be higher this year than it was last year. 29% of Americans begin their shopping in November. Quite frankly, I thought that would be higher. But I'm a bit surprised by another percent, and that is that 62% of Americans will buy most of their gifts in the week before Christmas. If that is true, even close to true in this room, some of you have a busy Monday and Tuesday cut out for you. (laughs) A sad figure is that 14% of Americans have to sell some of their possessions in order to fund Christmas. Over 27 million real Christmas trees, not plastic, but real Christmas trees, were sold last year. And, take this statistic however you will, 46% of Americans lied about liking a gift that they received last year. (laughs) I know we're not supposed to lie, but maybe they were simply trying to be nice. 76% of Americans will buy some or all of their gifts this year online, 
What a dramatic change from just 10 years ago. Family, food, fun, travel. All of those things are part of the Christmas season. Church. There are many who rarely come to church but will come during the Christmas celebration. Last Sunday, we were immensely blessed as in the morning our choir and orchestra performed the beautiful musical for us. And I can't say enough how grateful I am to Gary and to our choir and orchestra for an incredible morning. And then last Sunday evening as our children performed family night in Bethlehem, how blessed we were. And I know you'll be back tonight at 5.30 for Carol and Candlelight. But there is one real reason why Christmas is extraordinary. Now, here it is, so don't miss it. Here is the reason why Christmas is extraordinary. Are you ready? God became a man. That's it. That is why Christmas is so extraordinary. God became a man. Emmanuel, which means God with us. The incarnation, which means God came in flesh. So that's it. Don't miss it. God became a man. Now, I know you've gotten settled in real good in your pew, but I'm going to ask you to stand. And I really don't know that you can sit through this passage, even if that were not our tradition to stand. So the fifth verse of chapter 2 in Philippians, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset As Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage or grasped, as the King James says. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And all of God's people said, you may be seated. I can remember as a child, I guess I was 10, 11, 12, that our pastor on Christmas Sunday, don't know if it was actually Christmas Day or the Sunday before like this, but I remember the Christmas Sunday, he preached from a passage of Scripture on that day that was not Luke 2 or Matthew 1. And I remember being irritated. Now, I loved my pastor. I loved him dearly, so my irritation was short-lived. But I was irritated. So if I have irritated you by reading another passage of Scripture, just remember I read Matthew 1 in part a few moments ago before we prayed, and come back tonight, and you'll get Luke chapter 2. 
My message is entitled Christmas because he came. And I want us to embrace these things. First of all, he came from heaven. He came from heaven. In very nature, God. At the heart of Christmas is the supernatural. God came from heaven in human flesh. I have never proclaimed from this pulpit, ever, never have, am not today and never will. I have never claimed to be the smartest person in the world. And if you know me, you know, yep, that's right. I've never claimed to be that. And I will confess when I contemplate God becoming a man, God in the flesh, it blows every circuit I have in my brain. It is amazing, it is astonishing, it is incomprehensible that the God of the universe would come to the face of planet Earth in the flesh and dwell among us. Much less that He would then give His life for us on a cruel Roman cross. That is astonishing. And and I pray and I hope... If you've been a Christian for a year or for for 75 years, don't ever lose the wonder of what it means that God came in the flesh. The incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us. From, From the glory and perfection of all that is heaven to the dirt and the heat and the cold and the sickness and the injustice that is on earth. From this, listen or look, Revelation 21, beginning with verse 10. Now, here's where he came from to come here. Think about it. And he carried me away in the spirit, John says, to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of every precious jewel, like a jasper clear as crystal. It had great high, a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. And on the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod. Now now get this, a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length. That's 1,400 miles. As wide and as high as it is long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement. And it was 144 cubits thick. The wall is 200 feet thick. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh hyacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. Are you getting the picture? Are Are you seeing where he came from? 
to hear. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. Last night our family was driving at sunset, and the, the sunset last evening was magnificent. But it wasn't what I'm describing here. He came from there to here. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. I had to read the whole thing. He came from that to here. The dirt, the heat, the cold, the sickness, the injustice, the sin that is here. He left that to come here. He came here. And what is here like? Well, watch the evening news tonight if you think you can handle it. From earth, from heaven to earth, he came. He came from heaven. Now, now, there's a second thing that I want us to grasp in this Philippians text, and that's this. He came as a baby, fully man, fully human. He came as a baby, fully human. Verse 7, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He came as a baby, fully man. Back in Matthew chapter 1, she'll give birth to a son. You're giving the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then the passage that we will read tonight, Luke chapter chapter 2, while they were there, that is in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her, her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. He came as a baby, fully man. The miracle of Christmas is not man's generosity, but it's God's grace, God's sovereignty, God's mercy, God's presence in flesh, the babe of Bethlehem. God in flesh. So, he came from heaven. He came as a baby, fully man. Thirdly, he came as a servant. Look back at verse 6 and 7. Being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Can, can you wrap your mind around that? I can't. I'm just wondering if you can. He made himself nothing. The God of the universe who created everything that we see and things we can't see. He made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. The God of the universe is a servant. Listen to Mark 10 
45. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To me, one of the most incredible passages in all the Bible is found in John chapter 13. Jesus is with his disciples. They're celebrating the, 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 what will be, what he will institute the Lord's Supper. They're getting ready to celebrate. They've eaten and, and they come into this house, the disciples with dirty, dirty feet, wearing sandals in the dusty roads of, of the, of the Holy Land. And, and so they're gathered, they're gathered together. And, and do you remember, do you remember what happened? Jesus is there and he gets up from the table. And what does he do? This is God in the flesh in the room. God is in the room. And what does he do? He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and then he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. You haven't lost your astonishment at that, have you? God in the room. And he gets down on his knees and the God of the universe is washing the smelly, dirty feet of Peter, James, John, and all the other apostles, including Judas. Wow. He exemplified in that his reason for coming. He came as a servant. So he came from heaven. He came as a baby, fully human. He came as a servant. Fourth, he came to die. Verse 8. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Without the resurrection, the cross is meaningless. But without the cross, there is no death and no resurrection. Without his birth, his miraculous virgin birth, there's no story at all. Your sin can be forgiven only because God the Son died in your place. That's the miracle of Christmas. That is the miracle of Christmas. Now, he came from heaven. He came as a baby, fully human. He came as a servant, and he came to die. And number five, he came to rescue us. He came to rescue us. He came with a purpose. His rescue of us is no accident. That was God's plan from eternity past. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He came with a purpose. God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. Romans 5, 8. Matthew one twenty one. Again, she will give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus because... He will save his people from their sins. Colossians chapter 1 verses 18, uh, verses 19 and 20. I love Colossians. For God was pleased 
to have all his fullness dwell in him, that is in Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. He had a purpose for his coming. And then First Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. He came to die for you and for me. So wrap your mind around it. He came from heaven. He came as a baby, fully human. He came as a servant. He came to die. And he came to rescue us. Which then leads to the sixth and final thing. He came to be glorified. He came to be glorified. Look again, if you would, at verses 9 through 11 of Philippians text. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hear it in the great doxology benediction of the little book of Jude. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Hear it from the last book of the Bible. Revelation 7, verse 9. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then lastly, hear these words from Revelation 5. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea And all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise, honor and glory and power forever and ever. Do you want more? 
Read the entire book of Revelation. He came from heaven. He came as a baby, fully human. He came as a servant. He came to die. He came to rescue us. And he came to be glorified. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. Would you bow with me please for prayer? On this Sunday before Christmas, as we focus our attention upon our precious Savior, we offer an invitation to anyone in this room who has not yet trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord to come, to get up from your seat wherever you may be, to come and place your hand in mine and to say very simply, I need Jesus. A member of our staff will be here to pray with you, to share with you from God's word that on this Sunday morning, you might come into a personal saving relationship with Jesus. If you've already done that, then I invite you this morning to pray as we sing and to thank God for his incredible gift of Jesus our Savior and Lord. So that we do, Father. That we do. And I pray that if there's one or several in this room in need of your son Jesus, that they will come right now trusting him as Savior and Lord in whose name I pray. Amen. God speaks to your heart. You come as we stand and sing.